0: So Money, Episode 301, Alison Bernstein.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking
0: profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Well, ahead of introducing today's wonderful guest, I have to quickly share with you the charity fundraiser and competition that's going to be going on all month here at So Money the entire month of November in tandem with a charity fundraiser forward slash competition going on with Joe Sol Sihai's podcast, Stacking Benjamins. And to tell us all about that, I've brought on Joe and Joe, here you go. What take the mic. You you invited me onto this little fundraiser of yours and I'm I'm excited but also a little nervous.
2: I'm way excited that we're doing this together. You know, uh, we can raise a bunch of money for charity. And I love this at the end of the year with Thanksgiving. For people in the United States, we end the month of November with uh, Thanksgiving. And I thought, what a great way for our community to help another community that might need it. So we are going to be raising money for the Texas 4000, which is a 4000 mile bike ride that University of Texas students take to raise money for cancer research. And, and cancer-related causes, uh, I know that they give a lot of money to MD Anderson Hospital, one of the premier uh, cancer treatment clinics in the United States, in Houston, Texas. And then they also give it to worthwhile uh, research or facilities around the nation. So we're going to be raising money at, at, at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Texas 4000. And it's cool because our organization, Farnoosh, has a lot in terms of where the money goes a lot in common with who Mm -hmm. you're raising money for. Talk about that for a minute.
0: Well, thank you. That was a nice transition. So uh, I have chosen, our team here at So Money has chosen the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, near and dear to my heart as well, because I was a part of this when I was in college. It's the Penn State IFC Panhellenic Dance Marathon. It's affectionately known as THON, and it's a year-long effort to raise money and awareness for the fight against pediatric cancers. It's raised over $125 million for the Four Diamonds Fund at Penn State Hershey Children's Hospital. And next year's THON 2016 is what we are fundraising for now. And that will be taking place February 19th through the 21st. It's a 46-hour dance marathon. I did it. And I survived. It was uh, life altering. Uh, but of course, it's for an amazing, tremendous and important cause. Thon.org forward slash so money. Thon.org forward slash so money is where you can go to contribute. I know it's high season for canning and this is a way to join in on the fun. Anything you can do, know that it will be well spent. Over 95% of funds go to the families.
2: That's so great. And the writer that we're writing for, uh, who's writing in the Texas 4000, her name is Shelby Schreiber. Her father was a single dad raising her Farnoosh. And when she was in high school, he started feeling bad, went to the doctor. It turned out he had terminal cancer and he passed away when she was just in high school. Hmm. So here she is without a dad. And now she decided she's going to ride this 4,000 mile bike ride in honor of him. And they spend no money on the bike ride. Uh, All the food along the way, all the housing along the way is donated. So I love these organizations, but com forward slash Texas four zero zero zero. and And I hope together we can raise a lot of money.
0: I think we will. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Hey, welcome back to So Money, everyone. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Today's show is all about, well, partly about real estate and relocation. You know, I live in uh, Brooklyn, as many of you know, where people complain they're getting priced out. It's not just Manhattan with its high prices, but also Brooklyn and even parts of Queens. And so hardworking families are finding themselves at a crossroads. Do they stay and squeeze themselves and their two and a half kids into a tiny apartment? Or do they venture a little further out to the suburbs. And so today on the show, we have the founder of a website that's helping these families, the Suburban Jungle Realty Group. Allison Bernstein is the founder and the company is a suburban relocation firm exclusively focused on buyers looking to leave their city for greener pastures, literally. And Allison has been dubbed the suburban matchmaker for urban families. She started the site in 2008 here in New York City, but it has since expanded to other Other cities across the country, including L.A. and Miami, families work with a personal strategist and team of agents and locals for free of charge, free, to help them find their dream home in the right location. Because often... You might make a move, a big move to a suburb only to discover it's not what you thought it would be like and you have to make new friends and you're not really that in love with the school district and the house, while you're getting more room for less, it's not very conveniently located. You, don't, you can't just walk to the pharmacy. You can't just walk to the grocery store as we can do here in New York. Now, the company, as I mentioned, was founded in 2008 when Allison took on the daunting task herself of relocating out of Manhattan and found she was unable to pick a home that would suit her family in a nice town. It took them three moves before settling down in Armonk, and now she's committed to helping families and simplifying the process so that they don't go through the same situations. Several takeaways from our time with Allison including the real estate trade-offs that are kind of more like deal breakers. How to know you're ready for the suburban life? and why cash is king, not just in real estate, but in all realms of business. Here is Alison Bernstein. Allison Bernstein, welcome to So Money. I can't wait to dive into Suburban Jungle, learn all about how to choose the right location. If you're migrating from city to suburb, how to do it. Thank you for creating this website. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Now, a lot of my audience members don't live in cities, but regardless of where you live, talk about the importance of location when it comes to establishing your home. I just spoke to a guest, in fact, who uh, moved to a a location in Pennsylvania and said, you know, we love the house. It was the perfect house. But fortunately, we also fell in love with the neighborhood and we could see ourselves growing old there. So how important is location? Sure. Well, it's, you know, for us, Uh, we built our entire
1: business based on um, location. Now it's, it's not your typical sort of real estate location in terms of proximity and um, sort of the real estate valuations. It's really based on the personality of where you're living. So regardless of where our goal and the way in which we work is really to uncover, you know, who lives there. Um, So that's, that's the, you know, the number one topic that we, we address.
0: How did you realize that this was a need in the marketplace? It's still a need. I see, you know, there was an article in the New York Times, in fact, last weekend about a, a, the writer was had just moved from Brooklyn to Westchester, which is a typical migration, though he was kind of unsure about it. And I, I know people who have moved to the suburbs regrettably moved back into the city. Um, but you discovered this need through your own experience in the 2000s. What uh, what made you realize that this was a mass need? Sure. And it's funny
1: because that writer, I don't know if we're talking about the same um, article about him moving from Brooklyn to, I think he ended up in Hastings. Hastings. He was actually a client of ours for years. Um, <laughs> for you know, We kind of ran the process. Ultimately, I think he was a broker back in the day and decided, you know what, now that he knows exactly where he wants to be thanks to the suburban jungle, he got his license and, and ended up doing his own deal. So um, we're very familiar with him and his process. And in general, uh, we work with, you know, as you know, thousands of families leaving, um, you know, urban uh, areas, the city, Brooklyn, um, heading out to the suburbs. Um, so of course, there is, um, I guess, to answer your question directly, um, there of course, is you know our goal is to first figure out you know, are you making the right move? Uh, you know, should you stay, should you go? And this is the first topic we bring up with anybody. You know why are you leaving the city? and sometimes the suburbs aren't necessarily the answer. um, you know, you have to really understand everything is a trade off, and you really need to understand why you're leaving and what you're seeking. Can that really be found? Um, and it's not always the right answer. Um, so really understanding the dynamic of where you're going, um, is super important. Uh, going back back to your first question, why did I think of this need? Um, you know, going through my personal experience, um, we were, you know, starting our family, we were thinking, um, where, where do we want to raise our family? And it was very difficult. It was a very, um, disjointed process. I could never get a clear answer from anybody in terms of where we really belong, how, how we should look, where we should look um, you know, and really understand who lives in these towns. So whatever town we went to a, we never really knew what else was out there. So we would ask around, you know, search online. Um, it was very difficult to figure out exactly even where to start. And once we kind of got to the town, we figured, um, you know, how do we know if we really fit in there? And of course, every broker wanted to sell us their town. They love their town. They work in their town and more importantly, they get a commission for selling in their town. So, you know, based on our personal experience, um, we really, you know, I felt that there was a huge need for an objective advisor um, and we ended up in a in a perfect town in, in what I call sort of the perfect on paper, checked every box for us. Everybody has their personal list, but it wasn't the right fit and we could have never figured out the questions to ask. Um, and especially with people that have children that are Young, you know, you're looking at your three-month-old doing tummy time. You have no idea what kind of school system you're looking for or, you know, who your children are going to be as they they get older. And so that's kind of our job to dig a little deeper and figure out ideally where where you should
0: start. You mentioned trade-offs, which is so true. But what's, in your experience, a trade-off that most families would consider a deal-breaker?
1: I mean, it's so subjective. Um, You know, I think people really learn about themselves throughout the process. So I think, you know, for example, what we see a ton of are, you know, I would never commute by bus. I only want to commute by train. And it's a deal breaker. I would never drive. I would never, you know, consider a ferry. I would never. So and then once they start exploring and really understanding some options, you know, those things change. Um, there's no really huge deal breakers in the sense that I think that everybody kind of goes in with an open mind and it's just a process. So it's just very subjective for, you know, every family.
0: I imagine you'd be a a lot busier now than maybe when you first were starting out only because I know in New York City, people would always say and still say, I'm getting price out of Manhattan. But now you're hearing people say, I'm getting price out of Brooklyn. I'm getting price out of Queens. So more and more people are considering relocating because they frankly feel they have no other choice, and it's not just because they're living in these stereotypically expensive areas. They've it's gotten pretty much expensive no matter where you look within a twenty mile radius of of the Big Apple. So, talk a little about your business and how maybe it's evolved over the years to work with a new um, subsection of clients.
1: Sure, that's a great concept. Um, of course, you know pricing is is outrageous everywhere. And just keep in mind that that actually filters into the very commutable suburbs of the city. So we're still in the very similar situation of, you know, crazy bidding wars, all cash offers, and can't get a handle on really having a great life even as you move out to the suburbs. So um, it's not like all peaches and cream once you decide to leave the city. Having said that, you know, in our experience, um, two things, you know, one is that there are always two types of buyers. Um, Well, groups of people, not necessarily buyers. They're you know, is a group that will, no matter what, make any sacrifice to stay in the city. Um, this is kind of the way that they want to raise their family. It's super important to them. And if they have to shove three kids in a closet and call it a bedroom and throw in, you know, a bunk bed and, you know, um, paint a window, they will do that. And that's, you know, that they know that going in, those are the people that are going to stay no matter what, no matter what the prices are, they will figure out a way. There are the other people that are saying, you know what, I have to make that decision. You know, is it worth it for me to stay? Is it worth it for me to go? Because again, it's not, It's not like you get on the Metro North train and you go 35 minutes and you're getting great deals. You know, you're still spending a lot of money for something that for some people is neither here nor there. You know, you're kind of giving up all of the conveniences of the city and you're now commuting. You're adding that expense and, you know, stress. And now you have to switch out your childcare. And at the end of the day, you're coming home and you still have one and a half bathrooms. So I think, you know, depending upon, um, you know, kind of we don't have sort of a rabbit to pull out of a magic hat, you know it really is a series of trade-offs. So, having said that, I think in general, what you know I know you mentioned, you know, Brooklyn is is a hot market and a lot of people are moving there. What we have seen is a lot of people kind of leaving Manhattan proper, going to Brooklyn thinking that I've got my my answer, this is going to be it, and then calling us 2 years later saying, "You know what? Actually, there is overcrowding in the schools. This is not enough, you know, space for us. This is not we're just not getting what we thought we were." Going to get, um, and so that's a that's a huge market for us. You know those people that had um, originally said that Mm -hmm. that was going to be their solution. So,
0: and suburban jungle has expanded. You're not just in New York. You're in Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago, San Francisco. You're a no cost service. How does that work for you? Well, (laughs) how do you make money? (laughs) uh,
1: We're just trying to do good in the world. Now, um, so we uh, are a completely free service. And, you know, we have expanded nationally now. So as you mentioned, all these new markets, because, um, you know, the, the situation is the same. At some point, you make that decision to go or to stay. And those going really do need the uh, objective advice and just a strategy of how are we going to do this? Does it make sense? And having somebody to bounce ideas off of and go through the stress. And we always say it's 98% therapy and 2%, you know, real estate in terms of what we do and really help, you know, guide families. The way we make money is like any other real estate business. We only work with buyers, so we get a buy side commission from the seller if and when a buyer ever, you know, buys a, a home, no matter where it may be. So um, again, that commission is paid by the seller um, to whoever, whichever buyer's agent would represent. Gotcha. The uh, buyer.
0: So now, Allison, you're a graduate of. Uh- Columbia. You have your MBA and you started a business, a very successful business. You, I would imagine, have a number of financial perspectives and stories to share. So we'd love to transition now to some So Money questions. Are you up for it? Absolutely. Okay. So let's discuss your financial philosophy. What is your money mantra?
1: Um, <laughs> there's I, In terms of money mantra, i Cash is king. I think in general, um, in in terms of from a business perspective, when people are starting businesses, you know, you watch these shows like Shark Tank and you, you know, get all excited. And there's so many successful VC funds and startup companies. And the number one thing that they target is raising money. They have a great idea and all of a sudden it's, you know, let's raise money. And what I believe in the way I started my business was, you know, I have a concept, but I'm not gonna build my site until I have a deal. And how do I get a deal? And how do we make money first before we start investing? So um that's the number one thing for me is that you know, raising money should be left to to companies that really cannot be cash flow positive for a multitude of reasons. But in many, many industries, there are companies that can make a ton of money that go and raise money without having any business to do so.
0: You see that now currently with a lot of uh, venture capital dollars being poured into these startups. It kind of makes you nervous. And there was even an article I read in Vanity Fair recently. It was the one with Mark Zuckerberg on the cover. And it was just basically saying, you think we're in a bubble? It's not a guess game. (laughs) It is We are in a bubble as far as the tech industry is concerned, which is kind of scary. Yes, absolutely. What is your greatest money memory growing up? Where did you grow up, by the way? And what would you say was the most life-altering or just memorable experience when it came to money as a kid growing up?
1: Great question. Tricky question. I mean, I don't have a necessarily – I've always worked. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. I I have always worked, whether it was when I was eight, I was a dog walker and I made $2 at 9 p.m. walking my neighbor's dog. I think that having a, a key work ethic is super important um in terms of you know real money memories i mean it's it's just you know i wasn't i was an only child i was not spoiled i wasn't given everything i ever wanted i'm not saying that's the answer to raising kids or you know creating successful individuals um but i do i did see very much the value of a dollar i always paid attention to what i made what i could spend so if i wanted to buy you know a 100 dollar pair of jeans i knew i had to walk this dog however many times um, so that's probably the, the biggest way I grew up. Um, most important piece, I would say.
0: Did you always know you wanted to get your MBA? Maybe not at seven years old, but was it always a goal, <laughs> I guess, uh, in high school, college? I think that education was
1: always extremely important to me. Um, I think that it was always in the back of my mind. I loved business. Um, I always loved how, you know, just reading, you know, I just remember as a child reading business week and that would you know, starting again at a very early age, just reading about all these different companies and it was always very fascinating about, you know, learning about how they work and how they got started. So that was that was a huge passion. I think that was very much tied to obtaining, you know, the right education.
0: Was Suburban Jungle your first idea and it just hit right away, or did you have a couple of other ideas that were kind of your your starter businesses that maybe didn't have as long of a a life?
1: Um, no, I've always started very successful businesses. Uh, I would say out of college, I started a company that was also very successful called Networking on Wall Street. It was based on, um, you know, out of college, everybody wanted investment banking jobs. And there was a big disconnect between what college kids knew and what really was happening in the banking world. And I felt, you know, to be a college kid saying you wanted to to do banking and not understand the sort of the tie-in of private equity and hedge funds and um the different parts of capital markets um so i basically launched a company that really educated underclassmen on the concept so that was very successful um and then you know i, I basically went right into this company as well and currently um i'm involved in um another venture capital business called MILF Capital, which is basically Mothers I'd Like to Finance. And so that's been very <laughs> successful
0: as well, as well. I was wondering um, where that acronym was going.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, just capitalizing on the fact that there are so many, um, you know, oh,
0: well-educated mothers like um, that are anyway. but Where anyway. can I, is, it, is, that, is there a URL for that? MilfCapital.com. MilfCapital.com. <laughs> I'm going to look into that because I know someone who's writing a book about mompreneurs, so I think that might be a good resource for her. Well, Absolutely. lots of success, clearly. What about failure? Uh, what is your number one financial failure? You have to have had something. It doesn't have to be disastrous or cataclysmic, but just something that you learned a tremendous amount from.
1: Um, sure. Like I mentioned, I really like to run a very um, scalable you know, business in the sense that I hate, you know, investing in, you know, big office space. And so that was one of the things, you know, we um, invested in some, not invested, but kind of signed a longer term lease that I would have loved to have in a location on the Upper East. Um
0: (laughs) Well, now, and that was in 2008 around that when you launched the Suburban Jungle, but now I actually rent out of WeWork and you see a lot of big businesses with a lot of scale, doing these workspaces, these community workspaces, which, um, it saves you a ton of money. I don't know if you're ever looking to expand, consider WeWork. Yeah. Huge fan, huge fan. Let's talk about success now, Allison. What would you say is your so money moment? A time when you experienced financial greatness either within starting your businesses or in your personal life?
1: Again, I think it's probably more business related um in terms of the money aspect and I think that it was just really watching the company take off and and be very, you know, cash flow positive. I believe that cash is king and I think that I would never take the next step um without being able to pay for it. So I don't hire anybody. I don't take on, you know, any anything until I know for sure that the cash flow can support that and then some.
0: Mm-hmm. Um habits, Allison, what's your number one financial habit? What do you do that helps to keep your your finances in ship shape?
1: That's a great question. I, I'm fairly organized. Um I'm not a big spender, but I do I spend money on things that matter. So in that respect, I'm not one to go into a store and buy a thousand shirts. I would like, you know, one nicer shirt or just keeping everything, you know, organized. And I think that's, that's probably the key.
0: Do you use any tools or products to to help you with that? Any kind of uh,
1: resources? I don't. You know, the biggest thing for me is I have, I use one credit card. I have an Amex that I
0: use um, and I have the app so I can very much see what's going on. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks. Starting with if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is. I would do nothing different than, you know, what we do today. You wouldn't do anything with the money.
1: You just let it sit. Oh, like in terms of investing or like anything I would buy.
0: Whatever. Yeah. I mean, just what would you be interested in doing with the money? Um, Okay. So if I just had a lump of
1: money, I wouldn't necessarily go and buy things. I guess I would invest in more interesting businesses.
0: One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Um, I have a housekeeper and a driver. When I donate, I like to give to blank because? Uh, I
1: like to give to a multitude of charities um, just to kind of spread um, any type of goodness. I mean, I just... I believe in so many great causes. So there's not one particular charity that I that I really focus on.
0: One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is
1: it's just not that important. I wish I had known that. Um, so I think that, you know, you do what you love, you do what you love the best to your ability. And I think everything else will come.
0: And last but not least, I'm Alison Bernstein. I'm so money because I'm so fabulous. I'm um, so fabulous because. I'm so fabulous.
1: Just because I've started this great business and I don't know what people usually Maybe because really you're
0: helping families find peace in where they live. I mean, that's a huge life altering service that you provide. So I'll speak for you. How about that? I'll say, I'll tell people why you're great because you really are, I think, filling a need and it's it's a huge decision where you're going to live. And I think Too often, we hear people regretting their moves, and um, you're hopefully helping them find some some peace with that. So, thank you very much, and wishing you all the best. Thanks so much again to my guest, Allison Bernstein of The Suburban Jungle. If you'd like to learn more about Allison and her company, the website is suburbanjunglerealty.com. And you can also follow them on Twitter at SubJungleRealty. All this, including the transcript, comments, and more at somoneypodcast.com, where you can click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question for our Friday Ask Farnoosh segments. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money.